welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you, Jim. All right, we're going to have q and I'm going to turn it over to Brad. Oh, literature table is open till 8.30. And does everybody have their tags? Did everybody sign in? Okay, so we're doing it electronically, so if you didn't have a chance to do that, make sure you do that in the morning. Literature tables up until 8.30. Sounds good. Our speakers will come on up. I'm going to get you some stools to sit on. Yes. First question, so you can think about it. How does service work fit into your program? What has it meant for your recovery? How does service work fit into your program? And what has it meant for your recovery? It's the deal. It's the deal. Um, Again, I want to talk about my sponsor. When I was newly sober in SA and Memphis, there was... He, he's the one that started the meetings in Memphis. And, um, and we, we formed our first intergroup and there was four of us that meeting. And so we kind of drew straws and I got to be chairman. And, uh, and so he said, well, you're going to do this. And the thing I hated the most, he made me type up an agenda every month and type up notes and all kind of stuff. And I hated that. I hated it. I hated it. But that was my first intro kind of to service work. And service work now, and, and you know, I'm a trustee, and I do service work there, and I and I open up my home group, and uh, it's just, it's just what keeps me going. I mean, uh, it's it's at every level, no matter how far down the path you are, the service work is going it, to, it's, it's, it's helped me, it's bolstered my recovery, it's made me a, a, a better member. I would hope that uh, nobody thinks that they have to wait until the 12th step before they uh, do any level of service. Um, the the model uh, that I've always been uh, taught by by people in the the membership is um, that a person uh, first coming uh, to, to meetings, you know, they uh, they can uh, be uh, the one that responsible for uh, helping to, to put out the chairs. Uh, you know, they can make coffee. They can you know um, they they can be the person to to make sure that they put out their their hand and uh, smile at. At, uh, at other people, there is something every single person um, uh, in the the fellowship can do. And I, I hope people are not working until they've worked steps one through eleven before they uh, they ever experience uh, service. Um, you know, service is the way that you get outside of your own uh, head. Um, uh, my head is a very dangerous uh, place, and um, service is the only place that I can get outside of my head and, and start worrying about other people. And it's the only way that I can um, stay sane and, and healthy. 
Sounds, yeah. Um, Brian's a alcoholic. I um, <clears throat> service work with a theme of shame. Um, <clears throat> I was blessed at the 6:30 meeting when they said um, I was introduced at hospitals and institutions, um, which means that you just go to treatment centers and you and you share your story. <clears throat> and uh, they said, "Hey, you got six months. Guess what you get to do?" So I went. <clears throat> now talking about shame, uh, we went to a place called DC Four. And it was my first experience talking in front of a mic and telling a group of people that had been jailed, that had been in jail. I'm a chronic masturbator and I acted out with shoes. And you would hear it thunder throughout the gymnasium. You know, there's no, you can't hide from that. The shame started dropping away. And my sponsor said, you share your story as often as you can with as many safe people as you can. The shame started dropping. Now, the other part of service work, is, as I shared earlier, gets me out of my cell. And it started introducing me to the traditions and how the concepts and the traditions start working. I get involved in service work with other people. I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble. But if you start getting, like, the committee meetings that run this place, that run, that run this thing, there's crazy people. <laughs> right? Because we're all crazy. We all have opinions about how things should be. And we have I have no problem expressing that. And or I might not express it, but I'm going to hold a, a grudge against you. Anyway, so that's where the traditions come in. And that's where the concepts come in. That's where the, the inventories come in. And I get to see you being as sick as you are, and you get to see me as sick as I am. And we get to go through that. And that, that's, that's what the service words helped me with. So thanks. Anybody else got a question written down? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, come on. Anybody just got a question off the top of your head? This is going to be a very short Q&A. <laughs> Nothing? Yes. Um, I'll, I, well, I, I talked a lot for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in our car ride uh, down here, we spent about 45 minutes talking about uh, the, this question, and, and I'm sitting here waiting for the inspiration to remember what, what we said uh, about this topic, and it's not uh, coming to me. Um, yeah, we we talked about uh, that that fact that there are just uh, sometimes you don't want to surrender, um, and those times um, just to clue you in and, and what's going on is that your ego has uh, taken over and is in control. Um, I, I think of a uh, car um, that, that I've got where um, I used to try and uh, drive, uh, drive this car. I now have my higher power uh, drive, driving the car. He does much, uh, better, uh, a much better job of, uh, of driving than I do. I sit next to him, you know, and my sole job is uh, to uh, give him the authorization uh, to be uh, the one that's driving. Um, and at any time, I can uh, pick any of the uh, crazy people that are in the back seat and uh, tell them, "Hey, you're you're up driving." It could be my shame addict, it could be my lust addict, it could be my ego, um, it could be my resentment addict, it could be any of the uh, crazy people back there um, and such. My sole job is to keep on uh, telling my my higher power, you know what? I, I want you to uh, be in charge. You, you do a much better uh, job of driving than uh, the, these crazy uh, people behind me. Um, and, uh, and it doesn't always uh, happen. You know, there, there are moments in time when I do not want to surrender. The last thing I uh, want to do, it, uh, 
is surrender. And the only thing that, that happens is my higher power gives me the, the grace that I'm not willing to give my, myself. And somehow, some way, miraculously uh, j- jumps into my life. How and when he does that, if I could uh, give you the formula, I would be a higher power and, and I, you know, I, I could ser- serve all of you guys that way. I have no clue whatsoever on, on how um, uh, that surrender comes about, but uh, it's in uh, miracles like a sponsee uh, calling me. You know, it's miracles like uh, being asked to come here uh, to this uh, conference when I'm in the middle of the craziness of moving from one state uh, to another, you know, and I, by all rights, should be at home uh, dealing with that, that craziness. But, you know, clearly my higher power wants me to be here and, and, and uh, soak up all of your, your love and, and such. So, um, so I, I do what my higher power clearly wants me to do, and he drove me all the way down to Nashville today. Thanks. Um, I guess you might have heard you can't uh, think your way into good acting, but you can act your way into good thinking. So, so what that says to me is, and, and I totally get. I don't want to go over there. I live. I, I personally live 45 minutes from uh, from most of the meetings. I, I mean, there's one that's in my town now, one a week, but the other ones I have to drive 45 minutes. And I don't want to do that. A lot of times I don't want to do that. And early on, I didn't want to do that a lot. But I just, I'm codependent enough. I want people to like me. That's it. That's it. I'm using my codependency to get my butt to go to meetings because there's people there that expect me to be there. And so, and I want them to like me. That's, that's a sick way. I just thought that came right off the top. Um, but the other way that's not so sick is, um, if any of y'all have ever been through treatment, uh, you know, after a few days or a couple of weeks, three weeks at the last one, you have disclosure day or disclosure time where your family comes and you have these, these things of what you've done written out and with your therapist, you sit there in front, in my case, in front of my wife and told her about 20 affairs that I've had over the years. And, and of these 20 affairs, you know 10 of them, so I'm going to give you their names. And if you want me to, I'll give you the names of all 20. The look on my wife's face when I did that is easy for me to recall. It's easy for me when I'm into myself thinking, well, I don't need a meeting. I don't want to go to a meeting. I don't want to work that step. I don't want to call him. You know, I'm cool. All I've got to do is think back to that look on her face. And it was close, it was close to the look on my wife's face when she was in labor and she was hurting and pushing and everything. That look and the look on her face when I, when I did my disclosure are close. And, and, and those are powerful things for me to, for me to, to remember to keep me out of myself and, and surrender. Thanks. Um. <clears throat> Uh, somebody shared that uh, for the first that I <clears throat> I respect wisdom but I obey pain. <clears throat> That's the first. Second of all is that thinking brings about thinking, and action brings about change. Do I want to call? Do I do I want to go to a meeting? And it took me I don't know five or six years to be able to tell my sponsor that you know what actually lusting today seems like a good idea. It took me five years to be able to admit that lusting seemed like a good idea. 
Why? Because I was afraid being in Sexaholics Anonymous that someone would know that I actually qualified to be at Sexaholics Anonymous. And so it took me a long time for me to be able to sit tell my sponsor, I don't want to do that. And he said, I don't care. You, you don't have to do it. A constant basis, are, are you meditating? Are you meditating every every day? You bet I am. <laughs> he actually called me a year later with talking with somebody in Germany on a on a, on a separate like conference call thing, and he opened up the conversation and said, "Hey, Ron, have you ever lied to me before?" <laughs> right? And so, kind of caught off guard, I said, "Yeah." And and so we were starting to talk, and I was like, you, "You remember that whole year of the 2016 or 15 when you said, hey, well, are you meditating every day?'" And I thought I was meditating like I thought you meant like every other day, like every other week. Now, the other part of that story is that I was going through, he was telling me, hey, you need to get on some medication stuff, some outside issues that you were experiencing. He said, you need to get that straightened out. So like, I, again, everything's fine. I ended up in the ER, nine years sober. You know, I got it, right? And the whole idea of just, just I mean, you don't have to do what I say. I'm just saying that it, things tend to turn out a little bit better when I follow direction. But I am a stubborn guy, and I don't want to admit that, hey, I'm a sexaholic. You know, and so taking 15 minutes, I, I, I'm not a 15 minute, hey, I'm going to sit in silence guy. I got way too much stuff going on up there, man. It's very frightening. But the more I do it, as, and I'll end with this, is that people, would, and by the way, the guys that know in the, in the new me, when I say I'm going to end with this, you know I'm not going to end with it. So, but anyways, so he said, um, uh, meditation, is uh and I think Brian's leading the meeting on this tomorrow. Um but it's it's uh it's quantity over quality when I when I meditate. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. It doesn't matter what the experience is, just take the action. And that's that that's what it's been. So if I'm thinking about it, if I do I need to call my sponsor, call my sponsor. Do I need to go to a meeting, go to a meeting. You know? My thinking thing is not is not real bright. It's not that I'm not real bright, it's just as a one track mind. So thanks. Anybody else? Come on. Oh, awesome. You want to speak in the microphone, or can you? I mean, I can. <laughs> I'll meet you halfway. So I'll, I'll try to word this correctly. I'm not sure how I'm going to word it. As um, I'm Donald, uh, sexaholic. Um, uh, have been to treatment and loved every minute of it. Um, not really. But um, so we do we do a lot of talking about, you know, working the steps in this program. Um, but as as our problem says, our you know, our problem is that we we act out because we feel inadequate, alone and afraid. What what is your experience and how do you guys deal with it when you started getting sober and you started feeling again? You know, we don't, we don't, one of the things we don't do, one, well, I say one of the things that I'm, I make up that we don't do a lot is talk about our feelings in this program, emotional sobriety. Um, can y'all talk a little bit about that? Um. And, and, and Donald's heard me share this before, but um, <clears throat> um, of course, not saying that I'm completely blanking out. Um, emotional sobriety. 
emotional feelings. Oh my God, I'm having a feeling that's good and bad. Because I'm not used to experiencing anything like that, so I automatically attach as a good or bad thing, as a feeling. And someone says, well, what do I do with a feeling? Do I work out? Do I go jump up and down? Do I go run around the block? What do I do with a feeling? And the guy just said, you just sit there and you feel it. That's all you've got to do with it. But what do you mean? Don't I have to do something with it? You just feel it. You know, but as a and because it'll direct me on what I need to do if there's an action I need to take. Yeah, but as a sexaholic, I build a shrine to it. You know, I build a monument to that. I, that's what I turn my will and my life over to is that feeling of fear and shame or that fear or that anger or that resent or sadness. I turn my will and my life over to the care of that as opposed to over the care of the God of my understanding. So with sobriety and going through the steps and working with others, I start experiencing When I start seeing other guys get sober and walking through it, and they're experiencing the same feelings I got, and I experience, well, they're not dying from it. They're upset and they're angry. They've lost a job. They've gone through a death. They've gone. They've experienced stuff, but they haven't died from it. So maybe I'm not going to die from this. And it lets me experience it without judgment, just observing it. And it comes in and it goes back out. But it's a feeling. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not a shrine. So thanks. Um, I I was talking about this at a meeting the other day. Um, you know. Uh, when I when I first come to treatment, or when I first get it exposed to treatment centers, you know, they they you work on your feelings because we've been medicating our feelings with one thing or another, and we don't know how to feel, or we don't know when we're feeling, or what we're feeling. And so we would, I would, my very first treatment center, I was given this pad, and I would walk around all day long, and I would write about my how I felt about lunch. Or how I felt about my nap, or how I felt about what dude said over there in group. You know, I'd write, I'd write down my feelings, and then I'd have to present them, and people would give me feedback. <laughs> uh, but that, but, but that was good for me, and maybe it it taught me something that that wasn't altogether good. When I get a feeling, if I get sad, afraid, lonely, uh, angry, you know, uh, it's, it's surely okay. Well, it's always okay. And the first answer for me is to pray. And, uh, and I don't always just pray for the knowledge of His will for me and the power to carry that out. Sometimes I pray for something specific, and my specific thing is peace. God, please give me some peace with this feeling that I'm having. You know, and that's, I, I found that to be very effective. Um, but that's the first thing, and it's always the first thing. But then, but then, you know, we're taught, well, go to group, go to, call your sponsor, go to your therapist, take a pill, whatever it is, you know, and what's wrong with sitting with it? You know, something happened bad and I feel sad, that's okay. It's okay. You know, we, 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 we grow through our pain and our feelings. And so I don't have to, even in healthy ways, I don't have to fix my feelings. I think that, that, that many times or most of the time I'm supposed to have them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I have feelings every once in a while. Um, 
you know, I, I, I so try and hide my, my feelings uh, from myself. Um, I, I actually have to do uh, exercises uh, with, with my wife. Uh, we, um, you know, as part of our couple um, meditation, you know, I, I go through and I share the, these are three feelings that, I, that I'm having uh, right now. Um, one of the feelings that I'm having right now is a whole lot of gratitude and and a whole a lot of love and and happiness uh, in in uh, being here um, and uh, um, going back to my analogy of the the car um, you know all, all I've uh, got is my job as the navigator over here which I really don't even have the, the map uh, as far as uh, where we're going you know since uh, my higher power is in, in charge and he knows uh, where we're, we're going. About uh, all I have uh, to do amongst, uh, other than telling him that he's in charge, is uh, to uh, notice the signposts. And those signposts are, are the emotions that are uh, going on. And so when I have my uh, uh, prayer and, and meditation uh, with my higher power, I can share and, and say, you know, honestly, you know, that this is where I'm at, uh, one way or another. Um, and he gets to do whatever it is uh, with it. Um, they don't need to be fixed. Um, I've had, uh, you know, sponsees so many times. Well, how do I fix this emotion? Uh, you don't need to fix it. You know, it's a signpost. It tells you where, where you're at. And, um, and maybe that gives you some uh, guidance as to, uh, what, what you need to uh, do, uh, the next correct, uh, action or, um, thought that, that you need to have. Um, you know, the emotions just are. They, they don't need fixed. Thanks. Anybody else? Any more questions? <laughs> well, I'm Preston. I'm a sexaholic. Um, so, one of the things each of you guys have quite a bit of sobriety, and uh, I've been around the rooms for about 15 years, so I've run into most of you guys, you know, over those years. But I, I've been on and off for you know for a while, and I've been I've now just reached a year of sobriety finally after a long stint of trying to perfect my craft of sexaholism. And, uh, you know, coming back, I'm finding a lot of things, it's, it's a lot of things that work and some that don't. And I guess my question is, is, is what do you guys find that helps you each and every day with sobriety? And I'll give you an example. For me, uh, the last two weeks, I haven't woke up, said my third step, seventh step prayer, and I haven't uh, meditated. And uh, I've been grumpy, irritable, restless, and uh, lusting a lot more. Uh, I woke up a couple of days ago and started doing that again, and my wife actually said, "Well, you're nice. What's wrong?" So yeah, it, it's it's amazing to me that just that one little thing. If I just say my prayers in the morning and take 15 to 20 minutes of meditation, that my day goes better. So for me, I would love to hear what you guys that have been around you know for a while what works for you guys that gives you consistent long-term sobriety. Um, mine's pretty quick. And I've already touched on it. Service. Um, I volunteer uh, in my uh, in a little town in West Tennessee where I live, and I'm a member of our recovery court. And I teach a class on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at nine o'clock. Um, general stuff on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Friday, and relapse prevention on on Monday and Wednesday, and relapse prevention on Friday. And so and so I give, I show up, suit up, and show up, and it's not for money. And I so I give myself for no other reason than something has been given to me and I got to give it away. And so, you know, doing this and being on a committee and 
going opening for a meeting and and answering the phone when a sponsee calls and taking a new sponsee when I've already got ten and stuff like that. That's what keeps me going. I. I'm almost afraid to uh, share what it is that, that I do on a daily basis because I'm afraid someone's going to start scribbling down uh, them and, and, and go off and, and try and uh, do exactly the, the exact uh, formula because that's the way I was early on in, in recovery that I'd go to recovery meetings and, okay, what, what is your formula uh, in the morning? And, and I thought that, that, was, that was the way that you got sober. Oh, that, that's how you do your morning meditation. Okay, you know, and, and I went off and, and tried to, uh, to do it. Um, uh, from time to time, my higher power uh, changes what it is uh, that I uh, do, and so at any moment in time, it's constantly uh, changing, and uh, and it is exactly what what my higher power uh, wants me to to be working on and, and uh, doing. And how do I come up with the, those things? It's just little um, events that that happen, and I'm like, oh yeah, I recognize this. That, that that's a, a God thing uh, happening here. You know, I better pay pay attention uh, to it. I've had enough experiences. Um, there, there's a section I, I wish I could pull it out real quick um, uh, in uh, the the 11th step that uh, tells us over time uh, we'll we'll have more and more um, experience in knowing when when God's talking to us. In the beginning, we we don't, you know, and sometimes we go off on horrible uh, paths thinking that we know uh, what what God's leading us uh, to do. But over time, we get more and more uh, inspiration, and it becomes an intuitive uh, part part of us. Well, you know, I'm I'm there at that that place at, um, where where I intuitively know, oh, here here's uh, God uh, stepping in, and so what I do um, on a, d- a daily basis, and, um, and and I spend about two hours in the morning. You know, I have a, a routine uh, that that gets me uh, through. I am horrible, horrible at uh, nighttime. That's when I'm at my grouchiest. I'm at my meanest, and I don't want to do the uh, things I'm supposed to do in the evening. Never uh, gotten uh, past that. You know, that's. You know, that's uh, someplace where, where I still need, uh, I, I've got ideas of what my higher power would like me to do in the evening. I almost never uh, get there. <laughs> you know, I'm just not, not that place. And it's okay. This is progress and not perfection. At some, uh, some point in time, God's going to lead me uh, to the place where, where even grumping me in the evening will uh, we'll be able to get through those uh, things. So, I, I don't want to give uh, the magic formula because I don't want you to start uh, following my formula. I want you to spend uh, time with your higher power and and find out what it is that you and your higher power w- would have you do. I can I can hear my sponsors saying this this isn't a religion. This is not a religion. It's not, it's, it's not superstitious. It's not if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to get sober. Um, because it's just, uh, at least what you guys have shown me is that sobriety is not. I, I get addicted to getting there. I got to be there. Whatever that there is, I got to get there. <clears throat> um, and you guys said no. It's sobriety is not something you achieve. It's not a place you get to. It's something you participate in. So my sponsor said what he does every every year, maybe. Um, he goes back through. And, he, and he'll say, well, what am I not doing? Is there something that I haven't done in a while? You know, have, have I written something for, for the essay article? Is there, is, is there a book that I, that I used to read that I haven't read? Is there, is there a part of service that I haven't been doing that I can start doing? And so one, one of the things I started, the, I helped with Donald doing the 6.30 morning meeting, which I don't go to very rarely because it's 
first of all, it's 6.30 in the morning, and I live seven minutes away, which we've already discussed. <clears throat> um, the other part is that my sponsor said, I was talking about shame, and uh, and I said, I said, I had this real epiphany thing. I said, you know what? I said, maybe, maybe I should do this strength inventory thing. You know, I've heard people talk about doing that. And he said, "Yeah, you might, you might want to do that." And I said, "I might, I might do that today." He goes, "Why don't you do that every day for 24 hours?" <laughs> I said, "All right." So I added that to my. I do a gratitude list every morning along with a prayer. So I do 20 things. I'll do 10 things. I'll, I've, I've added 10 things in a strength inventory, right? And one's my hair. The other one's like I can walk. Another one's like I got, you know, I play guitar really well. I'm, I read really well. Or I, I can walk and shoot. It's just something really. I'm, I'm not recreating the universe here. It's just something very basic. And the other one was that I started doing now is I started doing a strength inventory for my wife. I read some ten step thing about you know finding five things that that that, that you enjoy about. And anyway, so I did those are the couple of things that I've added. So it's not recreating the universe. It's just what what are what are a couple of things that I haven't done or that I might have stopped doing. Or that maybe that could add. Because as they say, if, I, if I'm not going forward, where am I going? You know? So, thanks. I think we have time for one more. I don't know who to pick. I'm Ryan Sexholic. <laughs> I was going to say that, that, that I have nothing, but that's never stopped me. Um, I mean, the, the one the, the one thing that comes up for me is that, dra- that trauma and drama has, means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Um, I, I, I was sponsoring a guy who called me one night when I was when I was out on a date and he calls me and he said my my acting out it got me involved with the police he said the police are at my house right now what do I do? He was he was driving so what do I do? I said go home. I said do you know a lawyer? I said outside of that I I, I got nothing I don't know. And, and that, I guess that's the other part. As being sponsors, or me being a sponsor, is being able to say, "Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm, this is over my head." You know, yeah. There, as was shared, you know, there might be some outside issues that you that that you could benefit from. You know, there's some other stuff that I've gone through. My 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 mom was anything that had to do with sex, um, or anything like that was it, it was labeled weird. You know, granted, yeah, I was acting out with her shoes, but that was, it was, <laughs> the other part was just the sex part. When my, when my dad was watching rated R movies, I would say, where's dad? Oh, he's watching that weird stuff. It's weird. That was dramatic for me. Now, there are some guys in here that have really dramatic, they, they've had really traumatic experiences. And if you see them sober and you see them laughing, go to them and talk to them. Just, just go up and talk to them. That, that's the only thing that I can say is that there's a lot of things that I don't have experiences with. There's some things that I know some of you guys that have walked through that I don't have the experience to walk through that I've done. But I know a lot of guys, there's some of the guys that have done that. You know, so the only thing I can do is just, is, is encourage it. If, if you see somebody, you hear somebody at a meeting, go up and ask them. Even if they don't look like they're very presentable or that, just go ask, just talk to them. So thanks, I'm right. I remember in seventh grade um, writing uh, this essay about how amazing my, my family uh, was and, and how loving and caring uh, they, they were and awesome uh, they, they were. And even when I was writing it, I, I knew it was a big fat lie. But, um, you know, I, I wanted so much to believe 
that uh, that I uh, came from an amazing family, and I still try and uh, cling on to that uh, fantasy. Um, I, I have my wife uh, trying to point out to me constantly, you know, that's not normal. You know, uh, the the way that your 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 mom uh, just behaved uh, that way. That's not normal how your your uh, dad just uh, behaved uh, that that way. You know, I, and so I'm still needing to be convinced that I I, I didn't have a a great uh, trauma free um, uh, uh, childhood. And so, uh, yeah, that, that question just threw me in existential crisis. You know, uh, you know, what am I going to say? Because I haven't even admitted that that truth uh, to me. Uh, but uh, yes, there there were problems in our, in our family, and uh, and I'm far from uh, admitting uh, that they they were problems, and uh, that was not a, a healthy way to uh, to grow up and and live. Thanks. Um, I don't have a lot. It's 8:03, and I'm going to put my sponsor on the spot, and he'll. He'll he'll either take it or he won't. Uh, that's the way he is. Steve, do you have anything to say about how trauma affects your recovery or how you deal with trauma and recovery? <laughs> I think we're out of time. But <laughs> um, I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Steve. Thanks, Jim. Um, I actually do have a lot to say about trauma, and I appreciate kind of both it being brought up um, and also it being mentioned that to some extent it's an outside issue. Um, so for me, uh, trauma is a, is a part of my story and a, a part of my recovery. Um, I have a sponsee in Memphis who a few years ago went down to Texas for some cancer treatment. Now that's part of his story. Cancer is an outside issue. Um, and so to a certain extent, my trauma is also an outside issue. However, as the original person asking the question pointed out, you know, this is something that possibly could, could have, could, our founder might have had, uh, and there is, there is a relationship between trauma and addiction, uh, that's greater than any one that I know of between cancer and addiction. Um, and so, I mean, I think we each have to explore our own stories and, and where it fits and in the context of our recoveries. And, and I really appreciate what Ryan said. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I try to find the right balance when I'm telling my story between talking about my trauma and, and talking about, um, uh, you know, and, keep, and keeping it within the boundaries of this is an SA meeting, not, not a trauma recovery meeting. Um, and, and I'm still learning about that, but um, um, trauma is a very significant part of my recovery today, right now, in this season of my life. And so, yes, I do have a lot to say about it, and, and I've already, uh, I think, uh, without saying very much at all, already said enough for now. Thanks. Thank you, guys. All right, are we done? We respect the time that we have? Is that all good? All right. Thank you all very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Are you not on? <laughs> so let's thank Debbie for being our MC tonight. And we're going to be hanging around till about 8.30, so don't feel like you have to be the first one to leave. Um. What I'm going to suggest is that we try to make a circle and close with prayer. 
And if we can do this tonight, then all the people that don't come till tomorrow, they'll be amazed. So let's go ahead and see if we can circle up maybe kind of around this area maybe. And uh, we'll close with a prayer. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.